DeMar DeRozan still very much the story in the city, speaking on ESPN. Uh, last night in sit-down 101 with Chris Hayes, uh, Haynes, that is, still not happy about the way he was treated. Look, I, get over it, honestly. It's just, he keeps on talking about him not being treated right. Nine years. What happened in the playoffs this time? And like, I'm, I'm thinking of a selfish basketball fa- sports fan in this city. You wanted to see this team to win, and you had the best chance possible that you've had over the course of your time here in Toronto against a weakened Cleveland Cavaliers team. I know they still have LeBron James, but the fear factor was there. And DeMar was public example number one in terms of players that didn't step up in that series. How impressed, how, how enthused do you think that Masai Ujiri in the front office was that DeMar DeRozan, the franchise player, just struggled so mightily when the team needed him to step up the most. I'm not saying that that justifies not going out and telling a player that he's getting moved before he was traded. Look, Danny Green, who the Raptors picked up, he wasn't informed. If you listen to his podcast in the green room, honestly, great personality, great speaker. Uh, really listenable, really enjoyed it, checking it out yesterday. He says that Popovich called him, he missed his call, he had a message on the answering on his answer machine, and as he was going to check it, uh, his phone was ringing again, it was Popovich again, and then they talked. So he was traded before. The guy won a championship. That's what it's all about, and that's where the bar's being set. And now DeMar DeRozan's in the spotlight, finally getting some attention south of the border, now that there's a little controversy. And it's based upon the fact that this guy believes he was so hard done by. I just don't see it. I don't. Perhaps I'm missing something. Uh, there's, there's too much of this emotional tie. Like, I just, I get that he'll be missed, but is, can we all acknowledge it's just time to move on? Uh, it's just, uh, it just jumps off the page to me that um, some people's approach to this just seems a little bit backwards. The Raptors just announcing this is breaking. Da-na-na, da-na-na. They've announced uh, they've completed their coaching staff, they've hired Adrian Griffin. Sergio Scariolo, Sergio Scariolo, Nate Bjorkren, and Phil Handy. Those are your four Raptors assistant coaches Adrian Griffin, Sergio Scariolo, Nate Bjorkren, and Phil Handy will be, thank you very much, will be on Nick Nurse's coaching staff. By the way, Nick Nurse, happy belated. It was his birthday yesterday to the new Raptors head coach. So if you want to talk that, that's cool. Uh, we're going to get into the Blue Jays at the trade deadline. I'm on the record saying I'm not all that enthused. Um, when you're having a garage sale, I'm not a garage sale guy, but that's what it feels like the Blue Jays are having. Come take a bunch of stuff we don't really want anymore or we're getting rid of anyways. It's much more exciting when it's the other way. Who you can acquire to make a push, this is the exact opposite. This is what kind of mid-range, at best-case scenario, prospects the Blue Jays can replenish based on trading away players that were supposed to be something more than they actually are. Um, We'll go through the list 
of players who may be moved, who should be moved with with uh, Richard Griffin in 20 minutes' time. But the phone lines are open, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, and toll-free at 1-855-591-6876. Aaron hit me up. I really believe DeRozan is tarnishing his legacy as a Raptor with his recent comments. He's coming off as petty and entitled. He really needs to stop embarrassing himself. And I completely agree with that sentiment. You can be upset that you're leaving, but this pity party, uh, I don't want an invite. I'm turning it down. Let's go to Rick from Mississauga on line one. Rick, what's happening today? Ricky. Hey, Garrett. Nice to talk to you, buddy. Thanks, bud. You too? Uh, Where do you want to go? Before I talk about DeMar DeRozan, I just want to say I, I, I don't think I've talked to you after the World Cup. Um, I just want to say, really enjoyed your coverage. There are very few guys in the city that actually know their soccer. You're one of them, and uh, it was really, really fun to listen to your uh, immediate reactions after the matches. Thanks, Rick. Uh, it was a ton of fun, and I got to say, I missed the tournament already. You know, the, the the start of the new European domestic season can't start soon enough. I'm actually going down to see United and Liverpool in oh. Ann Arbor on Sunday or on Saturday, so that should be a ton of fun this weekend. That's good. I hope Liverpool gets beat really badly. This is an Everton fan speaking, by the thank way. Thank so. you. Thank you. Being a United supporter, we can really agree on that. There so. we go. Awesome. All right. So I just want to talk about De- uh, DeRozan quickly. So my gut reaction was like uh, a lot of the other fans saying, you know what, this doesn't sound like a good deal. You know, this is a guy uh, that wants to stay here, a superstar, or at least a star, not a superstar, a star that wants to stay here. And we're trading him for a guy that may not even be healthy. He's going to leave in a year. So my gut reaction was very much, I don't know if I'm sold. And then when you heard from the Kawhi camp that said, actually, you know what? It's this whole thing about I'm not going to play. And none of that actually came from his people. This was all speculation. Uh, let him come here. Let him show what kind of player he is. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. This is a bona fide top 10, maybe top 5, depending on who you listen to. Uh, you know, superstar in the league. So I'd love to, you know, see what he does with this team, uh, defensively and offensively. I think that's a huge point that you made, Rick. All speculation, all rumors, right? And right. now, now Kawhi Leonard's lost his shoe deal. Look, I had a, I had a guy on a reporter from the San Diego Union Tribune earlier this week, and he knows Kawhi better than anyone. He's been covering him since college ball. He's like, this guy isn't motivated by shoe deals or just the money. He wants trust and. And he wants to be able to be in a situation where he can win. That's what he's going to have here in Toronto, isn't he? Absolutely. And one last thing, and I know you've got people waiting. One last thing I'll say, I agree with you. Um, on this on this whole Demar uh, comment about he wasn't treated with respect, so I actually, the only thing I'll say is if he was told, like Blake Griffin was told in, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, that when he signed the extension, hey, sign this extension, it's a max deal sign the extension and we're telling you that we're not going to trade you. And then basically right after that, he was traded. This is a different scenario. He is not at the, you know, he, he didn't just sign an extension. Um, and if he was indeed told we're not trading you under any circumstances, then I can see why he might be upset. But dude, like it's, you're getting 30 million a year. Yeah. And, let's talk, and you're going to a winning situation. This is a great franchise to be going to. And, and people that didn't know what DeRozan was all about are going to find out very quickly what he's all about. I mean, in a positive way. So let, let's just move on. It's all good. You know, and I'm looking forward to the season. So thanks so much for, uh, for the opportunity. Thanks, Rick. I really appreciate a great phone call there. I had someone um, hit me up at Wheeler TSN uh, last week when DeRozan put out the face palm emoji after Masai Jerry's press conference. Because my whole perspective is just come out and say what's on your mind. And he finally did last night. Good on him. Um, 
no cryptic messages, n- none of that uh, elusive type childish behavior. And I said, look, this guy's making $27 million. Let's have some perspective here. And someone hit me up and say, what, what are you saying that DeMar can't have feelings because he's rich? Don't go there, Gareth. It's not a, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that a little perspective is needed from his perspective as well. From his point of view, you're still employed. You're still a professional basketball player. You're still making $28 million a year. You're still going to a really great organization. Like, I'm not saying you can't have feelings, but this kind of petulance isn't necessary. I mean, everyone will be appreciative, but you couldn't win here in Toronto. Perhaps you can win somewhere else. We'll see. I mean, I don't think you will, but maybe we'll see. Let's go to Andrew and Mark and what's happening, Andrew. Hey, how you doing, Wheeler? Doing well, pal. Uh, I enjoy. I just want to go real quick. Uh, your World Cup coverage, beautiful. I'm a Colombian follower. I was following Colombia as far as I could till we got to England. Oh, dude, Hamas Rodriguez. If, if Hamas doesn't go out, Andrew, I think they have a real chance. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, Hamas is the golden boy for our country. So yes, there, there's always other four years. Um, on Demar Derozan, I, obviously this is a bad, bad breakup. He was in love with Toronto, as you could tell. And we were the girlfriend that went with, uh, I don't know, with the better-looking guy, the better player guy that made more shots on paper. But at the same time, I feel like Toronto has to support that player that put us on the map just like Carter did, which they did as well. But I feel like we need a little bit more support because we do see that DeMar is hurt. We, We see it. You guys see it. You guys, the way he's handling it, he's not handling it right either. So for commentary in the media out there, for more support to be shown for DeMar because he did do more than enough for Toronto. And I do believe his time is up. I do believe the trade was a perfect trade. But there's that history and that love that Toronto fans always show. And we should, as a whole GTA community, support that as well. Right. Okay. okay. Let's compare it to other sports. And I don't think that anyone is doesn't appreciate what he did over nine years. But I think that acknowledgement needs to be made that there's a time up. Look, this is a city, Andrew, when the Blue Jays turned their back on Edwin Encarnacion, who was part of the great turnaround for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's be honest, he was right in the middle of that. When he wasn't signed, re-signed by the Blue Jays because he wanted to test the market, and the Blue Jays took the contract offer off the table within 48 hours, didn't even get even let him hit the open market, people jumped on... His agents back didn't support the player and supported the Blue Jays organization at that time, saying, well, you didn't take the initial offer. Well, too bad for you. So where are we at here? You know, because the, the, the Blue Jays let Edwin go, and the team got worse because of it, and people still supported the Blue Jays. With DeMar, they traded him away for something that's going to get them a better chance to win, and some people are still upset with the organization. You see what I'm getting at here? There seems to be a little bit of an inconsistency when winning at the end of the day should be the priority. Which I agree is totally the priority. Again, Leonard has a huge shoes to fill. Even though he does have the championship, the MVP, coming to Toronto, you already know, is a clean slate, and the media is going to be on top of him, and he doesn't already want to talk. Even though DeMar didn't, he'll have Kyle by his side. But we had so much chemistry that hopefully with um, Kawhi, this chemistry is going to come 
to fruition. Yeah, the, the, that's the, what and, we're hoping. Andrew, but. I got I got to let you go. I got I got phone lines lit up. All that chemistry, what happened in playoff time, is all you need to know. They were swept three to the last four years. So regular season, yeah, their friendship, the marketing. Uh, we all loved hearing what they had to say. We love the individuals. We love what they did off the court. But it's time to move on if the end goal is winning a championship. Let's go to Matt in Mississauga. What's happening today, Matty? Hey, not too much. How are you doing, Gary? Good, pal. You want to talk some Blue Jays? Yeah, man. Um, it's kind of following up to what you just said to the last caller about how uh, people still supported the Jays after we got rid of Edwin. I mean, I don't want to sound like I know everything, but I kind of called it that that was the beginning of the end, just yep. letting that guy go. You're right. And... um for what? We could have offered them a few couple more million dollars a season. They would have made that money back in ticket sales, jersey sales, no problem. Now he's gone. Completely Joey agree Bass with you. Completely agree with you, Donald by the way, Matt. He's going to be gone yep. at the trade deadline or at the end of the season. So, and what do we have to show for it? Nothing. We have a depleted fan base now. The dome's like, uh, I don't know what the dome is now. It's empty compared to what it was two seasons ago. And then for what? We got a couple, we got nothing in return for what we lost. And uh, pretty much whatever we have in the farm team, that's all the team's got. Yeah, Matt, I'm with you here because the Blue Jays could have tried to remain truly competitive by just merely spending dollars over these last few years while replenishing their farm system in the process. It didn't have to be one or or the other. It's not like other sports where you have so few players on your roster by tanking or being part of a draft lottery, then you can replenish. Because the Major League Baseball draft is just so much different in the way that you cultivate talent, right? So the Blue Jays could have remained competitive. They just chose not to. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I think... uh... I mean, they kind of have those heavy contracts with Tulo and Martin, and those guys, I mean, Tulo's not even playing, and yep. Martin's just there because he's like the captain of the team or whatever. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to buy, they tried to buy some time with that one-year Donaldson contract, but I don't really know what it's going to get them in the end. I don't, I, I don't know either. Um, look, it, it's going to be a lot of patience because I can't see them reinvesting for this upcoming year. Thanks for the phone call, Matt. It's going to be all about Vladdy Jr. When Vladdy comes up, it's going to be a youth movement and some patchwork stuff around them before they can bring more young, cheaper, controllable players through the farm system. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some time. Uh, Marco! Polo! Marco from Mississauga. What's happening, Marco? How are you, Will? Good, buddy. You? Oh, I'm a little bit angry now. Okay, go ahead. So, you know, Toronto, notorious, man. I'm not going to speak about baseball because the Blue Jays, they, they committed suicide in that, that summer when they changed everything, and that was stupid. Um, but I'm going to talk about hockey and basketball. Okay. So in, in hockey, we, we carve, roast, destroy players when they play bad. Jake Gardner, who deserves it a lot of the time, absolutely gets gets monsterized, okay? He gets gets destroyed. DeMar DeRozan was benched in a playoff round where we had Vince Carter who said who came out after he put it on. Let's clear something up. Vince Carter put us on the map. Not DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan drafted that turned into a good player and we were lucky. Maybe some people call him a star player. I don't even call him that much of a that, that high of a of a caliber. He was benched. And the questions, I'll never forget the questions by the reporters after. They were so lukewarm. They were so coddling. 
Whereas if this was a hockey player, we would have run him out of town. Agreed. So I completely I agree with you here. Marco, continue. Preach. Like, And I remember, because see, this segment you're starting to do now, which I'm really thankful you are, because this is the only time a fan can actually really say. We can send you a tweet, but it's up to you if you want to read it or not. Right. But I remember just wanting to, wanting to get one of the reporters and say, what, like, he's supposed to be a star player. And he wasn't that... In my eyes, I'm gonna. This pure, per, personally, my view, for me, it was basically like he quit, because I saw no effort. I saw him pouting at the bench when he was benched. I, his shot selection was horrid. To me, it looked like he had quit. The infamous Vince uh, comment. Yep. And he got coddled, coddled. In my eyes, this was the steal of all steals. We got rid of a fringe star player. I'll give him that. That's as far as I'll go. We got back a bonafide star, and now he's pouring sour grapes, and he's giving me his swan song on, on us. When we coddled him and we, we held him, he's done. He plays like that in San Antonio. He's finished. Right. Anywhere else in the NBA. He's done. Marco, Marco you're, yeah, Marco, you're so, you're so right on a number of levels here. It's like it's time that... We realize our job isn't to coddle, it's to tell it like it is. And I agree with you, because of DeMar, the length of time he was here, it seems like people have amnesia, and keep and people just skim right over the fact that he failed, as did this Raptors team in the playoffs yet again this past year. And that's when you make your money. And, and look, that's why I cannot believe that Jake Gardner's coming back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I hold all players on all teams accountable. And not everyone's going to like it, and I get my hate tweets and hate texts. I get it, but I'm going to call it like it is. This is professional sports. You're in a business to go out there and win. And when a superstar player making almost $30 million a year falls flat on his face, am I supposed to say, oh, well, he's a nice guy? I just, those two things aren't mutually correlated. I think he's a great dude off the court, but on the court I can say, man, that wasn't good enough and it's time to move on. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's why this pity party right now. What about Raptors fans who lived through that yet again last playoffs? There was no apology. It was all like, oh, we had to face LeBron. Suck it up. Go up there and win. Adam in Toronto. Adam, final call right now. Got to bring on Richard Griffin next. Adam, the floor is yours. Hey, Wheels. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. All good. So I think this narrative about DeRozan is way overplayed now at this point. It's a business about winning, and that's the bottom line. I think the Raptors added the fuel to the fire in Masai's exit interviews for Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan. I don't think the Raptors should have been apologetic. I think they should have been straight to the point because at the end of the day, they're making the team better, and these moves have to be done. So you don't think that they should have apologized at all? No. Okay. I don't think they should have apologized for anything. They Oh, no apology. They had to do what they had to do behind closed doors. I'm sure they handled it professionally. But over the air, to us, I don't think they owe us any apology because at the end of the day, they're making the team better and it's about win. Well, it, at I, the end of the day, when they lose in the playoffs next year, we're all going to be complaining. Blow up this roster. Fire this guy. Hire that guy. So at the end of the day, they're making the moves that have to be done. Exactly. I, I think that Masai did that not, not only to stroke the ego, but he's a class act, right? People within the Raptors organization, they are a class act. There's no doubt about that. So that doesn't surprise me because they're going to wish anyone well. And especially a guy that committed so much time to this organization and made a difference both on and off the court. Um, I'm not diminishing. I'm not saying he didn't do anything. 
But at the end of the day, you have to be ruthless if you want to go out and win. LeBron was ruthless on national television saying, Bye Cleveland, I'm going to go with my buddy Dwayne Wayne and my buddy Chris Bosh down to Miami. I mean, these are the decisions that need to be made by players and by organizations. And I can respect the fact that the Raptors organization did take the high road and apologize. Did they have to? No. But they did, and I respect them for it. But I just hope that this pity party comes to an end. And just hear, yeah, I'm ready to move on. I had a great time in Toronto. I want to thank the Raptors organization for all that they did in developing me protecting me, putting me in a position to succeed, and make my family very rich in the process. It's a two-way street. Share your thoughts at Wheeler TSN. The text is 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca. Who should the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays trade at the trade deadline? Who will they trade ahead of the non-waiver trade deadline? My good buddy Richard Griffin will check into the program next. Gareth Wheeler with you. This is TSN 1050 in Toronto. RBC Canadian Open going on. I believe it's the Pro-Am today. Tournament gets underway tomorrow. Um, Dustin Johnson catching up with Bob Weeks. That's coming up between now and the top of the clock. I'm going to try to maybe swing by on Friday at some point. Just let them know I'm there. You know, maybe take my life in my own hands. See the guy get smoked by the Tiger Woods ball at the British Open, at the Open Championship? Like golf. I know actually a guy, a buddy of mine, is playing in the Pro-Am. And just the whole idea of golfing and people surrounding me. And I would just be so concerned. I'm going to spray one. I'm going to shank one directly left into the gallery. I don't know if I can handle that kind of thing. I, I, I golfed on a junior tour as a kid. And I dealt with that. But I was actually good back then. Now, I, I, I think my knees would be buckling, man. I'd just be so worried about the health of the people around me on the golf course. But the RBC Canadian Open, uh, some news and notes on that coming your way before the top of the clock. Uh, the non-waiver trade deadline goes in Major League Baseball next week. What are we? Less than seven days next Tuesday. Um, we'll see. I don't know why Major League Baseball needs two trade deadlines, to be honest. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, tiers of trade deadlines. I, okay, whatever. I guess it's a long season. You need to keep those talking points because there's a lot of teams in the American League who are nowhere near close to contending. And another trade goes down today with Nathan Yavaldi of the Tampa Bay Rays being traded to the Boston Red Sox. The rich get richer. He's been good coming back from a long-term injury. Uh, Not great, but good, providing some starting rotation depth for the Red Sox. So where will the Blue Jays go? We know that it's going to be like a garage sale down at the Rogers Center. But could there be a surprise or two thrown into the mix? Let's bring on our good buddy. It is the Toronto Stars baseball columnist and contributor right here on TSN 1050, Richard Griffin, our Griffin star. What's happening, Griff? Hey wheels! I still have this mental image of my in my head of you spraying balls into the gallery like thirty times in a round. <laughs> oh, dude! I, like honestly, I, you, you'd have to bring a, a bag full of golf gloves to sign and give to the fans. You know? <laughs> I think what I try to do just I wouldn't take out the driver. I just have to use iron off every tee just to, for their own safety. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, the trade deadline, I, it used to be June 15th. June 15th was a trade deadline, and when it was two separate entities, American and National League, that was the only reason I could see 
for uh, two trade deadlines. They moved it back so they'd have more time to see if they were in a race or whatever. I understand that. But I'm with you on uh, you only need one deadline. I mean, it's basically one major league right now with interleague play and all that stuff. And and I think just one one trade deadline would be uh, would clean things up for them. Right. I, I think it hurts the product, to be fair, Rich, because it allows teams that, okay, mid-August, they're like, wow, we really don't have a chance, and they further bail. So then when September baseball comes, all you're watching is glorified minor league baseball. You're seeing a bunch of call-ups for all these teams, and it's hard to get a proper read. I'll call it the Marco Estrada sim- uh, syndrome because last year Estrada stunk, they couldn't trade him at the trade deadline because he had no value. Then late the year when he was playing inferior opposition, he goes and lights it up, providing false hope that he was going to be able to do anything decent this year. Yeah, and the thing that you point out about expanded rosters in September is back in the day when there was only one league champion going to the World Series, they needed something. They needed all those also-ran teams to be able to, to showcase their kids and to see if they would be able to help next year. And now with... with wild card races going on or whatever it really is an imbalance and, and unfair and uh, you know there's a lot of rules in baseball that need to be changed and and you've pointed out a couple of them thank you thank I, i'm glad that i'm not alone on this island that i sometimes find myself on rich um how busy do you expect the blue jays to be between now and next week I think there's a you know the J Hap move is the biggest one, but there's some uh, there's some clearing the decks moves that they could do. I think Curtis Granderson is going to be a definite uh, exit stage left with uh, clearing room for uh, some of the young outfielders to come in and and show what they've got. I mean, I I could see Anthony Alford if he ups his game a little bit uh, being added if Granderson is gone. Dwight Smith Jr. needs some more playing time and he could get it. He's a left-handed batter like Granderson. Um, I could see uh, O being traded as a relief, um, pretty much the most valuable middle relief piece that the Jays have. I could see him going to maybe the Mariners or the Dodgers. They have a history, strong history with Asian players who enjoy playing in those environments. And he, he can be effective for a team in the seventh, eighth inning. Okay. I have a hard time getting excited about this Blue Jays trade deadline because we're coming from a place where just a couple short years ago, Blue Jays were buyers. I mean, when typically the Jays have sold on roster players, so like a J-Hap or an O or whoever you want to pick, typically the return has failed to kind of launch, right? Like, it's easy to get excited about prospects, but actually seeing guys who come through and are able to contribute at a decent level at some point, they have been few and far between. So why should Blue Jays fans be excited about this trade deadline? Well, I mean, you look at the Astros, who are the analytic kings of baseball right now, and they uh, took Francisco Liriano because they needed a lefty uh, bullpen pitcher for a pennant run. To They thought he'd be a valuable piece in October. And they threw in Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, every trade might, has the possibility of a gem. That's, and what they didn't like about Teoscar is probably his defense. Um, but... You know, there's a guy that... As witnessed last night, right? <laughs> as, witness, as witnessed last night, yeah. But, uh, I mean, there's always a chance that there'll be a gem thrown in there. And, and to me, the Blue Jays' upper farm system at AAA and AA have enough prospects that in 2020, by 2020, they're going to be self-sustaining. They'll, be, they'll have stock, restocked themselves. So 
to me, the one rebuilding year is 2019. They could go young. They could uh, give away the season. They could draw under 2 million fans and then identify the areas where they need to shore up with expensive pieces, expensive free agents or trades. And I think that's going to be the game plan for them. So what they get back for Jay Happ is, is almost incidental in terms of stock, restocking the upper levels when they bring some of their kids up. So for a 35-year-old pitcher in Jay Happ, you're saying that Blue Jays fans shouldn't be all that excited about what the return may be. No, no, because anybody who gets him, anybody who gets Jay Happ, it's definitely a rental. He's 35 years old. It's not like you're getting him and trying to sign him for a four-year deal or four, five-year deal. Um, so what they get back in return, there might be one AAA prospect with a chance to be a major leaguer, and there might be salary um, to balance. It depends on which team gets him salary to balance with a major league player, but it'll be also, um, you know, a useful player, but not great. Okay, Richard Griffin joining us here on Toronto Today. I'm Wheels at our Griffin Star, and of course, the great Toronto Star. Um, I'm not excited about players like, well, not really about Hap, to be honest with you, Griff. Um, Granderson, Clippard, I mean, okay, see you later, no problem. But I could get interested in this trade deadline if some other names get dealt. Let's go through a little bit of a list, and let's start off with Marcus Stroman. Any chance that Stroman could be moved here? Uh, no chance that he'll be moved here. Um, he would be more valuable in the offseason if he continues his resurgence after the, um, the, the quote, quotation injury that he had. Um, he could, he'd be more valuable in the offseason. Um, I say no chance that, that he's dealt at all. Inter- I'm, I, I wonder what the Blue Jays' mindset is about Stroman. It's one thing... Um, to deal with the persona, and you're willing to do that if the pitcher is that great. But what's the read on how good Marcus Stroman actually is? Well, that's the good. That's the question because there's a lot of pitchers that, by his age, by 27 years old, have proven more than he has. And you know, he was MVP of uh, the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he looked like he was going to be uh, one of the great emerging young pitchers. Uh, but he hasn't done it. He hasn't fulfilled any of that promise. And uh, it's getting to the point where maybe somebody else will value him more than the contributions that he would be able to make to the Blue Jays moving forward. And that's what they have to investigate in the offseason leading up to the winter meetings. And, and if 2019 is going to be a write-off, it might be the time to do it. Right. I mean, do you trust him, Griff? Because I know the height doesn't measure heart-type mantra, but... I just don't know if I trust that body type over the long term being an elite front of the rotation type starting pitcher. I'm sure he can have a really good career. I'm I'm not kind of trying to belittle him that way. But if you look at the specs and look at where this team is right now, perhaps from a competitive point of view, nothing to do with personality, but from a competitive point of view, perhaps it makes sense to recoup what you can on that asset and try to turn that into maybe something else. And the point there is that there are teams that say, hey, my pitching coach, there are organizations that say, hey, my pitching coach can work with this guy. They're obviously doing something wrong because this guy looks like he has the ability to be a front-of-the-rotation guy, and that's the type of organization you have to line up in the offseason and see how much you can get for them. But if you, don't, if you can't get uh, you know, something better than Marcus Stroman moving forward, which I see as a solid three-starter as he uh, sort of – has a healthy season and moves forward. Um, I see Aaron Sanchez, a healthy Aaron Sanchez, if he ever is in, in that position, 
uh, being a more valuable front end of the rotation guy. So totally find with a team, you. Find a team that that sees something in Strowman that he hasn't presented yet, and then see what you can get for him. Okay, how about um, a Roberto Asuna? Are they looking to move Roberto? I don't think, but I don't think. I think he's another asset that uh, they would be more interested in moving um, in the off season. Uh, he's got plenty of years of control. I know that the perception is, but look at the look at the guy in Milwaukee who tweeted uh, racist stuff as a teenager. How does he get a standing ovation? Got like a standing I, ovation. Do you That's think Blue ridiculous. Jays fans would give Asuna a standing ovation? I hope not. I'd be I mortified. I certainly hope not because this city uh, and Canadians are, are known for more being more socially aware than that. And it would be very disappointing if, if that does happen. I just I, I can't even stomach thinking about Asuna coming back this year, Griff. I I don't know if it's the right move to pedal him right now because you're taking pennies on the dollar, right? But yeah. clearly there is something there. To what degree, we don't know. And I'm just really uncomfortable about this entire scenario. I don't know what that roadmap looks like on how to deal with Asuna. Yeah, I, I'd be more uncomfortable um, <clears throat> if... I think what they'll do is wait for the eventual outcome of his court proceedings, of his legal proceedings, and I'd be very uncomfortable if it turned out that he was 100% guilty of something um, really, really bad and they kept him than if they kept him while the court case was pending and then uh, allowed him to pitch and then waited for the ultimate result. Interesting. Um Obviously, Josh Donaldson, it's all to do with health when it comes to him. Others have brought up the name Justin Smoke. They've hit me up at Wheeler TSM, brought his name up. Could he be traded? Well, I think that uh, Smoke has a couple of option years, which would be reasonable. There are teams that need first basemen that are in the pennant race that are in contention. But to me, uh, you know, if it was somebody else than Justin Smoke, then... Uh, Jan Hervis Solarte would have 48 errors by now. So, you know, if you want to have this whole infield fall apart, then go ahead and trade him. But otherwise, I think that uh, he'd be an asset to trade again. And I'm a big offseason guy, but he'd be an asset to trade. For instance, if Donaldson decided to spend one more year here and they wanted to bring uh, Vlad Guerrero up and one of them had to play first base, right. I think that that would be a time... But that that moment hasn't arrived yet. But you you can go out and get a plug or a temporary first baseman in the off season if you have to, right? Like it's well, I, I mean, uh, the Red Sox went uh, Mitch Moreland, but you know, people people downplay the importance of first base. But like I said, you know, you'd have you'd have guys like Salarte and you'd have Devin Travis. You watch the balls that he picks out of the dirt, and it's not as easy as people think in terms of transitioning or finding a first baseman that can do the job and and I don't think there's any reason at this point uh it's not salary salary related to trade uh Justin Smoke because again you'd be getting back a prospect or whatever but I don't think it's worth it right now cuz they're not against the wall money wise sure uh any other surprises that could play out griff or is that about it I think Salarte might be a candidate if somebody if a national league team wants a switch hitter with some power and uh, that can play multiple positions. That's that's an ideal bench player, somebody that can fill in the long run for an injury. And uh, I think that there might be a surprise there because Lourdes Scoriel has been so versatile and so good um, and, and shows so much of a ceiling. 
All right, Griff, uh, I wish you the best of luck. I'm going on vacation, but you have to endure this never-ending summer <laughs> of mediocre at best Blue Jays baseball. Hang in there. Uh, there will be something to talk about between now and the non-waiver trade deadline. I'm very sure of that. The summer of glove. The yeah. summer of glove. I glove it. So, <laughs> hey, right, hey wheels, have a good time. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Our Griffin star uh, on Twitter. Great columnist, Blue Jays columnist, Toronto star, and contributor right here on TSN 1050. It could be compelling finish, depending on what happens with Asuna, what happens with Donaldson, what happens with Strowman. Uh, so there will be talking points, but not all of it, not much of it at all, seems to be any or has any positive element to it. You're going to hear from DJ Dustin Johnson in Oakville, Ontario for the RBC Canadian Open in conversation with Bob Weeks. It's coming up next. Wheeler with you, TSN 1050. It's Scott McCarthy coming your way at the top of the clock. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's easy as pie or Let's just say it's a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Gareth Wheeler with you. Uh, the RBC Canadian Open to Pro-Am today. Round one goes tomorrow. And very much front and center of this, at this year's tournament, it's the number one ranked golfer in the world in DJ, Dustin Johnson. Very cool going around uh, the course wearing a 99 Wayne Gretzky jersey. Over the course of the Pro-Am, that's just sucking up to your father-in-law, right? Like, I'm a Gretzky fan, but I pay homage by just doing the single tuck, where you just tuck your shirt in the, on the one side on the front and let the rest hang out. But DJ's wearing the 99. Pretty cool. Down at uh, Glen Abbey uh, earlier today. He also had the chance to catch up with our very own Bob Weeks. Notice how I said that? DJ was lucky enough to catch up with the legend, Bob Weeks. Here's the two in conversation ahead of this week's RBC Canadian Open. What does it mean for you to come back and play here at Glen Abbey and at the RBC Canadian Open? It means a lot. I was, you know, from the first time I came here, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, now being part of Team RBC, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely special to come here and play. And then, obviously, with the history and the family, you know, Wayne being, you know, he's he's pretty popular up here. So, <laughs> um, I get a lot of fans, you know, they're, they're really nice. They come out and support the event. And so, I, I enjoy coming up here and playing. There's a new date for this tournament next year. Year. you think that'll mean a deeper field? Do you think it's a better date? I think it's a good date uh, for you know for the RBC Canadian Open. I think uh, you know being the week before the U.S. Open, you know a lot of guys like to play. Um, you know a lot of guys take the week off too, but um, you know it kind of depends. I think I think it'll be a good you know warm up for going into the U.S. Open. Um, you know the course I played here, and then the only other one I played was in Montreal. But um, you know this course would definitely be a good good warm up. You know the fairways are narrow, so you got to hit, you got to drive it well. And um, you know going out, I think that opens at Pebble next year. But um, I think we're playing Hamilton's the next one for yep. this one. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great date. I think the the field will will definitely improve and. Um, you know, but you know, this year I think we've got a pretty good field for the Canadian yeah, Open. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You mentioned Wayne. When you first started to get to know him, any idea how big? I knew you knew he's a great hockey player and a legend, but did you have any idea how big he was up here? Yeah, I mean, 
it's, it's pretty tough not to if, if you follow sports at all whether you follow hockey or not but you know just following sports period you you know you know who Wayne Gretzky is and yeah and, and maybe not quite as big as you know because obviously I've only seen him really in the States, but the first couple times I came up here with him, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> there you go, Dustin Johnson, the big man, DJ in conversation with our big man in terms of golf coverage here on TSN in Bobby Weeks. TSN, your home from er, four, I should say, early round coverage of the 109th playing of the RBC Canadian Open. It all begins Thursday morning, bright and early. As you're waking up, as you're having your cup of coffee, uh, getting the kids changed out to whatever respective camp they're off to. Uh, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, airing live from Glen Abbey in beautiful Oakville, Ontario. The RBC Canadian Open features five of the PGA Tour's top 20 ranked players, including DJ, uh, U.S. Open champion Brooks Kepka. My favorite to win this week in Tommy Fleetwood, Bubba Watson. Earlier this week, William Gray of Golf Channel picked Bubba to go on and win this week. Bubba is here, as is Sergio Garcia, 10 Canadians. Uh, actually, I think that list is up to 16. There's a bunch of Canadians, uh, including Mike Weir, Adam Hadwin, and David Hearn. Uh, Sports Center's got you covered all week long with Bobby Weeks as well. Mark Zacchino, our good buddies down there at uh, the RBC Canadian Open as well. Uh, shout out to Graham Dillette. This story sucks. He's going to miss another 6 to 12 months uh, following another back surgery. So tough for the Canadian in Graham Dillette. Uh, but, we, but we will be watching and cheering on all the Canadians. Um, I don't think the drought of Canadian players uh, failing to win the Canadian Open, I don't think that's going to come to an end this week. But we'll, we'll be cheering on the Canadians nonetheless at this week's RBC Canadian Open. Uh, this Golf Insider report was brought to you by Subaru. Summer nights are made for Subaru with lease rates from 0.5% at your local Ontario Subaru dealer, Subaru Confidence in Motion. So excited about that this weekend in this city. Uh, let's get to our poll questions today at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Uh, tonight, we have Toronto FC action coming your way. Second leg Canadian Championship. TFC with a one nothing aggregate lead over the Ottawa Fury. The poll question is such, big summer of Canadian soccer. Where is most of your interest being focused? 65% saying the World Cup. And how could you not be immersed with the World Cup? Uh, it was a pleasure. It was a privilege to bring you coverage along these airwaves. And just another long, what? Almost four years before another one, but it's going to be in the fall in Qatar. Uh, the Women's World Cup, we will be bringing you coverage of the Canadian women next summer from France. France won the World Cup, hands it off to the Women's World Cup, which will be in France next summer. 21% saying TFC. And it's been a funny summer for TFC, uh, and not all in a ha-ha-ha type of way. Injuries have played a role, but this TFC team... Still very much alive. A nine-point gap between them and a playoff spot. Two teams, the impact, the revolution. Neither of them that great. And TFC with games in hand. Uh, I still think they'll go on to make the playoffs. And come playoff time, I wouldn't want to play TFC. I believe before the Chicago game, TFC was 150-1. to 
to go on and win the MLS Cup. I'm not sure where they are right now, but I put down a cheeky little bet, 20 bucks, 30 bucks for TFC to win MLS Cup. Why not? Get into the playoffs, who will want to play them? And with this team getting healthier, Altador, Vasquez, Mavinga back, uh, there's good reason to believe that this team can still go on and do something special again this year. Hopefully they've learned from some of their woes, some of their struggles, both emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever, and they can get through it. And tonight is another step towards achieving their goals. Canadian Championship semifinal against the Ottawa Fury. Remember, you go on and win the Canadian Championship, you go on and punch your ticket to next year's CONCACAF Champions League. So I'll be down there tonight broadcasting for you and the listening million, millions from 7 p.m. tonight, right here on TSN 1050. 10% saying that they've been attached to the transfer market. Uh, congratulations to Alfonso Davies, the 17-year-old Canadian, the future of Canadian football, big money transfer to Bayern Munich of the Bundesliga. Liga. We'll see how it plays out. He's not a superstar yet. He has star qualities. He has potential. Let's hope that he's one of those cases where he inevitably comes good on the biggest stage possible rather than a player that struggles to find his way and gets sent out on loan more than he actually gets to play for the first team. So we'll see how that plays out. And finally, who would have to be traded to make the Blue Jays' trade deadline of significant interest? I'm not interested in just the Blue Jays selling so Hap, Granderson, Clipper, eh. what they're going to bring back in return does not excite me. But potentially if they traded someone else, that could really create some real buzz and be really a move of some kind of significance. 35% saying that if Donaldson got traded, it would really develop significant interest. Completely agree. But that's just all health pending, right? And... His value's already been blown. The Blue Jays are not going to get what that commodity actually is. So he might be ended up staying here and even staying here next year on a team that's rebuilding. I'm not sure if that's a proper fit. Marcus Stroman, that would be the big name. 27% of the vote says that. 24% saying Jay Happ. And 14% saying Roberto Asuna. I wouldn't touch that. And... Buster Olney, this morning on Landsberg in the morning, um, said that he's not hearing any interest in that player. I don't want to see Asuna play for the Blue Jays anytime soon. And if I'm any other team across Major League Baseball, I'm not going anywhere near that either. Uh, the Scott MacArthur Show coming up next. More on DeMar DeRozan, more on the Blue Jays at the trade deadline. Uh, we should also mention that Nathan Yavaldi got traded to the Red Sox. Uh, Zach Britton. To the New York Yankees, so the rich are getting richer. Time for the Blue Jays to light up the trade market and start dishing some of their commodities while they can. MacArthur's coming up next. Ice Cube coming up tonight on Overdrive at 5 p.m. as well. Ice Cube, awesome. With Brian Hayes and Steve Simmons. Thank you to JP, Joe, uh, Fitzy, John Whaley stepping in as well. I'm Wheels, and this has been Toronto Today right here on TSN 1050.